Steward, you're impossibly fast and strong. Your skin is pale white and ice cold. Your eyes change color, and sometimes you speak like you're from a different time. You never eat or drink anything. You don't go out in the sunlight. How old are you? Seventeen. How long have you been seventeen? A while. I know what you are. Say it. Say it out loud. Genetically predisposed to be homosexual. Travolting presents The Fraser's Edge. Hosted by Jeff Sweeney and Stuart Elmore. Covering The Twilight of the Golds. Enjoy the episode. This episode of Twilight the Fraser's Edge. Twilight of the, the Golds. golds. And that's the right, folks. Golden Twilight. If perhaps that intro was um, not entirely, um, what you, what's the word? Lore accurate. Or respectful. Um, neither of this is this movie. <laughs> yeah, um, no. That, the tone of our opening, the tone of our intro has the same tone as this motion picture, The Twilight of the Golds. A mid-90s motion picture adaptation of a Broadway play, The Twilight of the Golds by Jonathan Tallis, Tallins, um, that deals with the idea of if you knew that your child was going to be born gay, would you abort them? The answer, (sighs) no! (laughs) No, No, of course not. the, The answer, according to the play, yes. What? Did you hear about this? No, I did not. Okay, so the original play um that uh let me let me look at this. The Twilight of the Gold the play premiered in 1993. The original ending, uh, we'll get to it later, but the original ending is very Oh, yeah, I see this. And then it was remade for the movie. Yeah. We'll get to that later, yes. but like we'll talk about the movie's messaging, and then we'll tell you what the play yeah. actually had, and yes. then you can make up your own mind as to what the fuck was this playwright thinking. Yes, Th- this this movie. Um, yeah, <laughs> where uh, do we go from here? Uh, we start by saying this uh, stars Brendan Fraser, <laughs> the subject of this podcast. Brendan Fraser is in this movie. David Jennifer Beals. As a sister, Suzanne. Yes, who is more or less the protagonist. Yes, that and that is the main problem of this movie, what? is that she is the main character, and we're supposed to feel for her struggle in this movie, but her like the struggle she's going through is such an easy answer. Yeah, like I understand the 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 forces that are working against her, and I'm not opposed to like her the pressure she's feeling, but at the same time, it's such an like. In the current climate of today, 2022, it's such an obvious answer. Right. No. But in 1996, evidently, it's a very difficult question. Like, it's very complicated. This, you know, like we said, this comes out in 1996. And this is kind of the, the heel turn for Hollywood proper on gay rights as an issue. Yes. We've talked about this before, I think. We have. But, like, in the 80s, you know... Um, gay rights um, is mostly a joke when it comes to cinema. Like, in terms of Hollywood. Yeah. In the independent market, there's a lot of uh, LGBTQ independent artists who yeah. are working, making indie films, and really, you know, growing the 
the art form yeah. in their communities. But in regards to Hollywood proper studio blockbusters and especially comedies, you know, um, uh, gay people, you know, lesbians, homosexuals, LGBTQ. They're a stereotype. They're a joke. It's a stereotype and a joke. Yeah. Gay men are always flamboyant. Yes. Gay men are flamboyant. Girls. Move like Lesbian women are butch. And men manly. being close to each other is always like, ah, gross. Ah, yeah. And so the 90s are when Hollywood starts slowly changing the tide on that. I would say Jonathan Demme can get a lot of credit for that with Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, which comes out, you know, had protests against it, a lot of issues with its release and its Oscars recognition. But that was the first movie that started to break down in the studio market, the idea that, you know, gay people are people. Yeah. And you can make movies about them and tell compelling stories and tell stories about the prejudice they face in a nuanced way. And also, it doesn't even have to be so much about the prejudice as it is about, like, they their relationships yeah. are complex, too, yeah. just as much as heteronormative relationships yeah. are. Like, we don't have to, like, you know, gay love stories are love stories. Yes. They're not, They're not gay, love, gay stories. love stories. They're love stories. Yes. And so you can just, like, I think that's the thing, you know, we have films today like Moonlight. Yeah. Um, which it it calls some attention to, like, the prejudices, yeah. but it's just really about a guy. Yeah, it's a love story. Yeah, it's a love story. And so. Yeah. And this movie, I think, it suffers a lot from looking back 15, 20 years later. 20, 25 years later. Yeah. In that, I'm sure at the time, like, this movie coming out, having the central structure that is, having a movie star like Brendan Fraser play a gay man. Yeah. Like, I'm sure that was, in some sense, groundbreaking at the time. But looking back on it now, this whole thing just kind of feels kind of gross. This, I mean... This it, movie. It doesn't feel quite as cringe as, like, White Man's Burden, as we've covered in Travolting, season one of this show. Yeah. But it does, it feels... Like, because White Man's Burden is, like trying to be woke but self-destructive in its yes. own fake wokeness it's old white person woke yeah you know what i mean yeah it's like oh well what if white people treated like black people what this if black is, people treat like is, white people this is a, a, a movie this made is just from, misguided this is a movie made from a straight perspective yeah about straight people learning that it's okay to be gay and love gay people and that is the problem with this movie yeah is it's told from that perspective her arc in this movie is going from wanting to abort her gay child to realizing I can still have a ch gay child and love them. Yeah. And it's like, it's, okay. It, like it takes you a whole two, like hour and 30 minute yeah. movie to figure that out. Like, yeah. Really? And like, yeah, it's just, well, and the places that they take to get there are so phony and false. Yes. Because I'm trying to think of where I put the note down of like when she decides to keep, the child and it really is just like a switch flip like yes. unless if you can I mean she was there was one scene where she was pushed down and hurt and they thought maybe the baby was hurt and that could be thought of as like a way of like oh maybe this is where she decides that she wants to keep her baby but otherwise yeah. I can't think of a, like a proper moment in the film where there's like a conversation yeah. had where yeah. her mind changes like because this no. this movie conflates like gay like finding out that your child is going to be born gay with finding your child is going to be born without like, without legs or yeah, exactly. with down syndrome. Well, I was going to say the exact yeah. same thing of like if you change the 
the the wording of the script uh, from gay to like, well, and it's sad to say that you know they use the word. Like, is it you know they use the R word? Yeah. In this movie, I mean it's the nineties yeah. where yeah. different time I suppose. Yeah. But like if it, if your child was if they knew your child was gonna be born with Down syndrome. Yeah. Like if you just change the words in the script to that, it's treated the exact same manner that yes. gay is a deformity that you're born with. Yeah. <laughs> and like I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. It's this whole movie's just very uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable. And that's you know, when this thing started, I actually didn't know what this was about when I pressed play. I didn't either. I did not either. And for the first, I would say, five to ten minutes, I was kind of into it. I... I think the beginning, it's well... and It's kind of well shot at the beginning. But as the time, it's it devolves into standard coverage as it goes along. It really does. But there's some nice photography in the first... In the opening sequence. But you're right. It really does devolve. That I was... That I was randomly drawn into like oh this is a showtime movie and it's an adaptation of a play and you know hang me from the rafters but a lot of the stuff that i like in movies is stuff that comes out in like film plays i know there's a lot of people who don't like plays that are turned into movies because they can feel like plays yeah i'm one of them yeah where people are just like delivering monologues in the same location for 90 minutes yeah a lot of that stuff is usually what I'm into in movies. I like long monologues, discussions about existentialism. I'll respect your opinion yeah. on that. I and, obviously I stand with a group that yeah. doesn't like that. Yeah, and like generally, and I was like, oh, maybe this is gonna be a movie that I like. It's about a Jewish family. Fraser, you know, doesn't really reckon with his Judaism a lot. And well, there's there's no conversations about that in this movie, though. Yes, the thing about for plays for me it's like you know like we we watched uh passion of darkly noon which wasn't a play but it had a lot of play vibes to it i think we talked about this in the episode where it took place mostly around one location predominantly dialogue driven Mm. but it still had like i mean of course the last third of the movie takes a wide cinematic turn and no longer feels play at all um, but the first two thirds, which is very play like, didn't yeah. shut me down from it yeah. because it still had like interesting questions to talk about yeah. and interesting mot- motifs, yeah. uh, within the story. This has one motif that is not interesting from the start. doesn't yeah. ever get interesting. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, it kind of makes you feel pretty uncomfortable throughout it. Yeah. Uh, so it's playwright aspect of this did not sell me in any shape yeah. or form in this film. Because, like, this move, like, the title, Twilight of the Golds, it's the Gold Family. Yeah. And you think, like, the pitch seems to be, like, okay, there's a gay son in a traditional Jewish family. Yeah. And they're all played by non-Jews. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, and I was like, oh, well, you know, there's there's a pitch here. There's an idea here about a play about a family falling apart in their Twilight. Yeah. And there's just, it's not about that. Well, that's where I think yeah. you know the play differs a little bit. Yeah. So, brief, brief overview, just so I can make yeah. that point, is like the the sister Suzanne. Uh, you know, we start with the movie where it follows throughout her life. Yeah. Um, their childhood with Brendan Fraser's voiceover for it. Um, how they grow up as kids, how they end up, how Suzanne goes to medical school, and then she drops out. Mm-hmm. The family's disappointed. She marries a doctor who's a yeah. scientist. 
and then is living happily ever after. Whereas uh, Fraser is like the artist of the family. Yeah. They don't use the words like gay for a while. Yeah. They just use the word like he's sort of different. He's yeah. outside. And this is kind of where I think your motive comes in of like this movie could actually be something interesting. Yeah. Um, and then we very quickly then it's like, oh, Suzanne's pregnant. And then, and then there's an announcement made at a dinner thing, and that's where we get a lot yeah. more sprinkling threads. I, that was a good scene, the dinner scene at the very beginning. You know what I like? The first five minutes of this movie. Right. <clears throat> well, the dinner scene, it's like, again, they never say, oh, well, that's David, Brandon yeah. Fraser. He's gay. They'd be like, oh, David, so like, oh, well... I don't think you'd like it. There won't be enough boys there or whatever. Well, it's like so, dropping subtle yeah, hints they, like that. In the they reveal that Fraser is gay with the line where, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Suzanne, yeah. played by Jennifer Beals. She's actually very good in this. I think she's good. Um, okay. I don't think the character is good, but I think she's good. Maybe that's She's like, yeah, I brought, my, I brought my husband, Rob, and then Fraser's like, Oh, yeah, I would have brought my. I would have brought, brought Steven, Steven, but he, but he wasn't invited. invited. Yes, yes, yes. And that's yes. how they reveal. I think that's yeah, that's, that's like an interesting way to do it. It is. It is. They set up a good dynamic it. in yep. this opening scene. Yep. I really like the opening of the movie. How it's all done in like home video. Home video. Yeah. Um. You know, flash like as it shows like the childhood, and then it transitions into basically their you know, adult film life. Yeah. For the uh, bulk of the movie. Yeah. I always like when home video is used in a movie. Um, it can, like it can get cliche though It can get cliche But I think it's used well Like okay. we Like Stuart We recently saw The Fablemans together mm -hmm. I think the single Most effective scene In that movie um, Spoilers for The Fablemans uh, right. If you haven't seen it Is when I, I almost wrote down On my notes How long are we gonna talk Before you bring up The Fablemans yeah. <laughs> uh, I think the most effective Scene in The Fablemans Is when the family Which is also a movie About a Jewish family Falling apart yeah. Um, when the family moves to North California, finally, like they've made their lot, like because they start in New Jersey, yeah, they make the, and they're going into their house for the first yeah, time. Yeah, they make the full trek across the country. The family's fallen apart by the time they reach California because they this make is the full. When the spoiler divorce is revealed. Yeah, right before that, and it just it shows them all entering the house, and Paul Dano's leading the kids, and Spielberg's using the camera. It's all done from the perspective of the camera. There's no dialogue because it's, you just hear the crackle of the film. Mm -hmm. And you hear John Williams' very minimalistic score. Yeah. And it's just Spielberg running in, and you see, like, Paul Dano trying to be all excited with his kids, and the kids getting all excited. And you're, and but slowly but surely, it takes a more somber tone as you see Michelle Williams just, like, standing in the doorway, unable to accept this. Not able to go inside. Not able to go inside. And the family, the kids and Paul Dano start, like, kind of getting upset. Paul Dano's, like, desperately trying to give her joy and bring her into the house, but she's refusing. This is all done. With dot no dialogue, should we just through, talk about the Fablemans? All in this through episode? a single like home video it's show, one shot, yeah. And it, I think it's so effective. It's yeah. the most effective sequence in that movie. Yeah, and I the, this movie does a little bit of that, but not nearly enough. No, it does at the beginning, it does at the end, and I like those bits, and I don't like anything else. Yeah, I mean, I I. I I, I thought when I first saw it, like I, I did like the sort of the yeah. expositional intro of yeah. it, but I it didn't like la have give any yeah. lasting effects. And when it brought back brought it back up at the end of the movie, it, it didn't spark anything. Here's um, the, here's for the me. thing. I liked the beginning. I didn't care about the next eighty minutes of the movie. Did you I like the, the end? ending? Very emotional. <laughs> I found it very really? effective. Really? Like literally the last three minutes of the movie, I was like, oh, this is nice. I guess it's hard for me when I knew how the play really ended, though. Yeah. So to get tag yeah. to tag really quickly, so Let, like let's quickly just let's go, go through, through the, the plot. Thing. Let's go through the plot. 
let's because I can, we plot. can do this in less than five minutes. It's sad, but yeah, yeah, we, we can cover this plot. This is not a movie where we're gonna have a lot to say about the, the voiceover. Plot. Is what really bugs me out of the home video. Yeah, where he's like, yeah, you know, I and I was like, oh, Brendan, what are we doing, buddy? Yeah, what's going on, man? Um, you seem pretty locked in in the last movie. First off, directed by Ross Kagan Marks. Uh, Hasn't a, really done much. A fake name. A guy who does not exist. Yeah, does not exist. Uh, Ross Kagan Marks hasn't done a Ross single... Ross Kagan Marks is actually just an algorithm. Uh, the last thing he'd ever done was he just re- recently released... Walking uh, with Herb. Walking with Herb. <laughs> we did the Herb cast. With George Lopez. Can we do the Herb cast? No. What if we did... And Lo- he has seven upcoming projects, supposedly. One of them called Foul. I'll believe, when I, short. I'll believe when I see it. Uh, so begin with a bar mitzvah flashback. It's David's bar mitzvah. And this is the home video that you're describing, Jeff. Of. Yeah. And we get Brendan Fraser's voiceover where he's talking about his family, focusing more on the upbringing of him and his sister and how they are each turning out. Yeah. Um, and he's the artist of the family. The sister's the med school yeah. dropout who married a doctor. Yeah. And she's pregnant. Right, we get to modern day, and the first thing we see is Suzanne, played by Jennifer Beals, walking out of a hospital with the voiceover, you're yeah. pregnant, congratulations, or whatever. She goes to her family's dinner. Yeah, there's a family get-together for their three-year anniversary yeah. of her and her husband, Rob. Rob, played by... Uh, uh, John Tenney. Yeah, John Tenney. My favorite part about this movie. I thought John Tenney's performance is actually really he's good. Pretty, he's pretty he's good. I thought he was... Better than Fraser, personally. Fraser is... This not, is not Fraser's There's a few scenes where he's good. But I for ha- the most part, he seems kind of lost in the material. I have one scene that I actually kind yeah. of enjoyed. Is it him and Faye Dunaway in the garage? Uh, no. I, that's actually one of the reasons why I thought his performance mm. wasn't good. Because was I, I, I tried really hard to get into that performance. Couldn't. He's lost in the material. My favorite performance is when he goes back to the auditorium and hugs Steve and cries. Good move. Good scene. It's five seconds long. Yeah. All he does is he goes in, tells Steve she's not going to keep yeah. it, and hugs him and cries. But anyway, so they're at this dinner. Um, yeah. I'm going to plow through this. Uh, Fraser. She's pregnant. Uh, we got to talk about, first off, because oh, then yeah. we see Brennan Fraser. Oh, yeah. We got to talk about the hair. The hair. Cue the music. Welcome to the hair ranking. Um, this is going to go number two above Whoa. the scalp below Mrs. Winterborn. Whoa. Whoa. It's a floof. It's it a- is a long floof. And next week, folks, when we talk about uh, still breathing... You're going to notice something. You're going to notice something very interesting, which I won't tell you until next week. You're going to make this, you're going to make it number one, aren't you? We'll get to it later. Yeah, I got thoughts uh, about that movie. Uh, okay, so yeah, Suzanne's three year anniversary with her husband. Uh, that's when I wrote down the quote Steve sends his regards, but he wasn't invited, mm-hmm. uh, which is David's boyfriend, yeah. the first indication that David's gay. I wrote down, okay, they're hitting the quote, David's gay bit, unquote, a yeah. little bit hard here. Yeah. Which is like the first inkling of like what this movie's downfall yeah. is going to be. Uh, quote, my favorite legally recognized couple. Yes. I liked that. That's that was good, good. That's a good line. Um, 
there's this what was this whole bit with Wagner's ring cycle? Well God help me. Uh <laughs> Fraser is trying to like put to he's he's like an opera director. And he's trying, trying to, to be. Yeah, and he's he's putting together a play version of Wagner's ring cycle, but which is evidently an eight but hour. But a modernized album. version that's gonna be six hours. Yeah. Yeah, and that just happens. But like, here's the th- here is here's my biggest beef with that whole bit. I'm cool with the whole idea of like you have your modern, you have your current spine plot thread with your protagonist and a plot right here. The on the underside, you have like this little thing that's happening in the background that you're not sure how it's quite connecting, but there's some interconnecting bits. Does that make you know you know what I mean? Yeah. So like like my only example, it's like like I don't know like. A fucking, you know, you're cut, you're watching like the a plot, and then every like ten minutes, it cuts to a tree growing in the woods. Yeah, you don't know how the tree is going to be connected and at the very end. The yeah, tree, you find out. Yeah, you find out. That doesn't really ever happen in this movie, and so I, 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 I was a little lost with that whole bit, and I, it, it, it bumped me a few times. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it's Dave's. Inhabitants. Yeah, it's why we get Dave in the movie. Yeah. Otherwise, if we didn't have that to cut to, the only place where we would see Dave is when he's talking to Suzanne about being yeah. gay. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> I mean that, that's that's flip all the I got. page. That's all I got. Uh, the parents are played by Gary Marshall and uh, Faye Dunaway, who are pretty good. Yeah, they're fine. Yeah, they're the, neither of them are Jewish, which presents issues. You're right. Um. Gary Marshall, the director of The Princess Diaries, amongst many other things. Interesting. Uh, uh, it's at this dinner table. Th- that was perhaps a little rude of me to only describe Gary Marshall as the director of The Princess Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> a very successful director um, in his own right. Uh, good but actor. Playing a Jewish father. Yeah, odd, just strange in this movie. Um. So Suzanne eventually reveals that, hey, I'm pregnant. Yeah. And they're like, oh, great. Lovely. Rob, her husband, didn't He is know. a doctor, but he's mostly a scientist. Yeah, he work, they're doing genome testing. They're working on the Human Genome Project. Yes. Which is a real... Which is the thing for this movie to just bring up. <laughs> he's working for the Human Genome Project, which evidently can track yeah. all the things that a child's going to be born with. Yeah, like it inject you inject into the uterus, and it's like, all right... Your baby will, will be six gay. foot one. <laughs> six foot one. Is is gonna be? It's gonna. He be. will have a short pinky. Right. It'll like it like it seemingly list knows everything. It's yeah. Like he will be the next president of the United. <laughs> Whoa. Right. Yeah. It. Um. So we cut to Rob. Um. At his lab celebrating. Yeah. And he's approached by his boss, boss, who tells him, "Hey, bring your wife. Bring in your here. wife." And it's like self-marketing much. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, if you don't, be- it's like, how can we believe the? How can we trust the public to believe in our project if you- we can't believe in our own project? So you should bring your wife in to test the baby. A little bit in- in- invasive, mm-hmm. um, but Rob goes with it. Meanwhile, uh, we cut to where Suzanne works. She works at a retail store for clothing. Yeah. And who's one of her assistants, Jeff? You won't believe it or not. You won't fucking believe it. It's Rosie you won't believe it, guys. You won't fucking believe it's it. Rosie it's Rosie O'Donnell. She's in Rosie this movie. It's great. O'Donnell. She's got a lot of things to do. No, I, I, she really has like four scenes, maybe. She's got four scenes, maybe. Four she pops scenes. up. She says a couple of funny things. Then she disappears for the rest of the movie. Isn't that right? That's right. 
Uh, That's right, folks. It's me. It's Rosie O'Donnell in the movie. So then we cut to... Why is Rosie O'Donnell in this movie? I, I, I don't know. I really don't know. In the role that she's in, yeah. maybe she had more scenes. <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking know. She literally pops up and is like, you're getting so big, you're pregnant, you're going to need a bigger dress, and then she's like, gone. <laughs> it's like her role in this movie. Um, we get one quick scene at Rob's parents' house, and his parents are like orthodox yeah. Jew- Jews. His dad literally looks like one of the characters from a serious man. Like, yeah. And so Rob's, they are like they want their child to be raised orthodox, and she's like, oh, well, we want the child to you know, choose for themselves. Like, that's fucking stupid. Yeah. <laughs> He's <laughs> a little cartoonish villain. Yeah. Um, and then they decide they're going to actually test their child. Yeah. And so they go into the doctor's office. They do the needle injection yeah. in the uterus and they get a sample, blah, 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 blah. And Rob comes back and he's like, we got the results. She's like, oh my God, is he okay? Is he going to be born? Is he deformed? No legs? No, physically he's fine. Oh my God. What's going to happen? What's up? It, it, he's going he... to be like David. Yeah. And it's like apparently the worst thing in the world to learn that your child's going to be gay. Yeah. They're like batting down the hatches. They like weep for days and yeah. can't get out of bed. And it's like it's I so can, depressing. For the time, I can understand like it being a shock and being stressful to learn that. Right. What I cannot understand is the immediate where they're like, do you want to get rid of it? It's like, what? No. That, that's immediately what they do is they <clears throat> talk about like what they're going to do. They talk and, immediate talk about abortion. And then. This is an actual quote in the movie, yeah. guys. I'm not lying. I wrote it down. Suzanne talks about getting an abortion. They're in bed talking about all this. And she says, quote, I wish it were deformed. Yeah. And it's like, wow. And she she clarifies yeah. in the screenplay. She clarifies of like, like that came out wrong. Like, I don't yeah. mean in the sense, but blah, blah, blah. But it's like being gay is yeah. much more complicated. Yeah. It's like, like if it had Down syndrome, like that's one thing, you yeah. know? Like, you know what to do when your child is going to be born with Down syndrome. Yeah. Uh, but you don't know what to do when your child's going to be born gay. Yeah. Is what the point that I, I get. I think the scene is trying to make. Yeah. <sighs> it's like, even if you do change the context of this movie to Down syndrome or autism or even a physical deformity, it's still not a good pitch for a movie. No. It's There's not like... Like it's not, I have disabled friends. It's not like I, I'm sure they would not want to watch a movie where it's like, yeah, if you knew you were going to be born like this, we would have just gotten rid of you. Like, yeah, that's not good. Eugenics, much? Yeah, <laughs> well, no. And that was the whole thing about like they make this point a tad bit with like their human genome project, but like maybe this is something we shouldn't be doing. Yeah, like we shouldn't be playing God. And it's one of those things. It it gets into like a eugenics like a, a modification. Yeah conversation which i think it's i think it what's this is not an interesting conversation what this movie's trying to make yeah it's not interesting but what would be interesting is it, we're already in this fake world yeah. where they can detect things like being gay yeah not interesting what would be interesting is they live in a fake world where not only you can detect being gay but if you wanted to you can modify the child yeah. to not be you gay. can essentially it's like a movie where you can create a child right which is we already have that it's called gattaca yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh and so but like you know the human like modify modification question that's a more interesting yeah. question because you don't have to square yeah. with the fact that's of whether a- having a gay child is bad or good yeah you don't have to square that's a, with that. That's a relevant topic for a movie. Right. You don't have to square whether it's good or bad to be born gay because, like, it's fine. Yeah. But 
But what would be interesting is if you could yeah, change. change your child to... Is that right? Is that right or wrong? And That's a more interesting question. Because yeah, the, the idea, even if you take away like the whole like get rid of it question of this movie, yeah. the idea of, well, maybe we shouldn't be detecting... I'm like, there's nothing wrong with like testing to figure out if your child's going to be born with any syndrome. It helps you prepare for it. Right. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's not a bad thing to know. It's not... It, that part's not interesting. Yeah. What would be interesting is like... I mean, and it's not interesting to decide like what are you going to do with those facts because it's... the yeah. Like you said, the answer is very easy. It'd yeah. be much more interesting if like we have this technology at hand that can allow you to change that. What do you want to do? Because here's pitch, pitching this. Yes. Um, two gay parents going through a surrogacy uh, a surrogacy or something like that they do the same test and they figure out their child's going to be gay yeah and we live in a world where the technology can change that and both gay parents went through horrific prejudices in their upbringing and they're like should we make our child be straight right there's that's at least a concept that's a concept yeah right so the not interesting. Yes. <laughs> I think that's all we can say. <laughs> yeah. Well, offensive, too. Yeah. I think we can say that, too. Because we can continue to talk about the plot, but it's just more of this. Yeah, that's all this movie is. Yeah. It's just, it's like 50 minutes of that, of her trying to decide if she's going to keep the child or not. Fraser figuring out about this and, like, going into conflict with her. Because they, he's like, getting they, rid of this child is like getting rid of me. Well, that's the whole... That's I think yeah. that's something we can address with this movie. Yeah. So, like, with that... Besides the movie being about that question of whether yeah. we should keep the child or not, there's also the part in hand of where we're not going to tell David. That was yeah. another thing. There's like, we're not going to tell David about this whole thing. Yeah. And then it... The mom lasts one hour and tells David. Yeah. And immediately, yeah, it becomes a... Um, it becomes a conversation about victimizing... David of like oh well if you guys were able to know about this what would you have done yeah and the mom's like oh like I don't you know it was a different time back then blah 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 the dad straight up says I would have fucking gotten rid of you yeah he's like if I could you're sick you're diseased and I and if I had a cure for you I'd kill you yeah and it's like oh my god (laughs) wow Stuart I'm gonna say something a little controversial right now yeah, I just uh, a few days ago I got out of work early, and I watched the motion picture X Men: The Last Stand, a movie that is not extremely well received. Correct. Um, which also essentially has the the plot line of if you could cure a gay person, would you? Right. Because you know it's all about curing mutants, and in yeah. the the original X Men trilogy directed by yeah. he who must not be named, um, the mutants are standing for for LGBTQ. LGBTQ, and that and th- that movie. Not like extremely cognizant or smart in its ideas, but it's at better least than this. <laughs> because a at better least, idea of at least with that you have this. like characters in that movie who can, in some reality, see their abilities as a yeah. deformity, like yeah. Rogue, yeah. like Angel. And, like I'll say that movie, like I said, does a very poor job with that plot line. Right, it does a better job than this. Yes. And I just I wanted to bring that up because it, it kind of threw me for a loop when that happened. Yeah. Um, um. So yeah, there's a whole thing with David about feeling victimized yeah. and how and then, he's he's totally like against like Suzanne getting an abortion about it, and 
Um, but Suzanne decides she's going to get an abortion, but then she changes her mind. Yeah. And her husband, Rob, leaves her? Yeah. When did that fucking happen? Yeah, it happens off screen. He leaves her because she's keeping the child. And then she and the parents reconnect with David at his opera. That 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 was there was one good scene with Rob and Suzanne that I actually did like, yeah. and that's a shower scene. Yeah, good scene. Because so Rob is in the shower and like throughout this this is at the point of the movie where like they've known their child's gonna be gay and they're still like figuring out like whether they're gonna keep it or not. And the biggest thing that Rob's doing, and you can kind of sympathize with this a little bit, is he's totally putting this in Suzanne's ballpark. It's like I support you whatever you want to do. And it's like, that's not an answer. I want to know what you want to do. And they have this argument in the shower. And eventually he just like rips off the band and says, I don't want to keep it. Yeah. It says, I don't want this child. Yeah. I wish we had accomplished that 30 minutes earlier. So this movie could have been 60 minutes long and I could have gone through quicker. Right. But it is a good scene. Yeah. It's a fine scene. Yeah. Um, Just in the sheer sense of writing. Um. Then there's a little bit where yeah. Steven starts to get closer to the family. Yeah. Which, which plays is tennis with the That's dad. what the movie should have been. That's like part a of like. A thousand percent. Like if you cut out the whole baby aspect, there is an idea in this movie. And Sport neither. Choice that we're right. just cut out the whole baby aspect. Yeah. <laughs> you know? All right. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I agree. Making it more about. Yeah. Instead about of like, like. a traditional fam. I mean, it's a story that's been told a million times. Instead of just times. like arguing about it, just, you know see it for yourself that we're not yeah. sick and diseased people yeah. that we're just happy yeah which is what steve is doing with the family it's it's like uh, the story of the, the one son who doesn't fit in with the family has been told a million and a half times better than the movie we got would have been yeah um, uh but, but yeah we end up at the opera the family reconnecting yeah all that stuff and then we get another fraser narration to close us out yeah voiceover as he's like yeah you know rob my left, family Suzanne. got back together but he still he takes care of his son takes on the weekend. Care of and I'm like, son. wait. Wait a second. Rob left Suzanne, but he still takes care of his son on the, the weekend. The son he wanted to get rid of. Yes. So why are these divorced? <laughs> if he's helping with the kid. Uh, uh, if they showed it on screen, Jeff, yeah. maybe we would know. But the end of this movie, it does lead way to like a minute of just like home video footage. Of Suzanne with her with child. Playing, playing with the, the child. Playground. With very also the score of this movie is atrocious. It's terrible. It's like piano and guitar riffs. It's like Seinfeld-esque. It's t- TV movie-esque. Yeah. It's terrible. This is a TV movie, I guess, but anyway, it's it terrible. It's showtime. But anyway, terrible. Um, but the ending, I like. I was like, okay, this is actually effective. Like, she's gone through this trouble, and now she has her child, and she's going to give them all the love in the world. I was like, okay. And I can then get this scene. you look up the IMDb trivia, and you look up yeah. the play on Wikipedia, and you find yeah. out that the play yeah. has Suzanne getting an abortion. Yeah, she gets her the kid. And David being permanently estranged from the family. Yeah. That's how the play ends. Which, in uh, the play is not from the 50s, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. This is not a reimagining. It's from 1993. It's from 1993. So I have to, like, ask the question of, like, what were the playwrights' intentions? The thing is, I've heard the play was actually good. The play at least has a, like, the play is a has a bleak ending and sees this whole thing as, like, a miserable right. story that's being told. Right. The movie tries to have an uplifting ending. And maybe the play is just being more realistic. The play is like about how miserable this whole thing is. Yeah. There's no humor. There's no uplifting nature. Well, to it. it's more accurate to the title. Yeah. It's Twilight of the Golds. 
it's not Dawn of the Golds. It's not Sunrise of the Golds. Yeah. It's Twilight of the Golds. This movie is like the family's going to be fine. Yeah, the family gets back together at the end of this. <laughs> like, yeah. If this movie, like, if this movie had been as miserable as the play is, and like the pitch is like this family learns that their child's going to be gay, and like they struggle and they decide to get an abortion, and the, the gay son gets estranged from the family. That's not a pleasant movie to watch, but the, that could actually be a story that's told about prejudice and like. Um, hating something more than you love your family. Yeah. There's an idea. Yeah. By the movie changing the ending, it takes an already flawed concept and just makes it have no point. Yeah. That's the problem with the movie. <clears throat> a lot of problems, but yeah. yeah. Um, I don't think Frazier is that good in this movie. Yeah, he's, strugg- like, he's struggling with the material. He's not built for this. And I don't know if it's like he's... If he's not, I don't want to say he's trying too hard to act gay. It's not even that. He's like, he's deathly, he's very serious in this. Yeah. And he just doesn't seem to be at a point in his career where he's up to snuff to kind of play the layers this character demands. Even if it's like a strangely written character. Well, it's a very thinly written character. Yeah. But it, it, this is a character that needs an actor who, who can, can bring layers, can bring layers to it. Yeah, and I think Fra- I agree with what you're saying, Jeff. This I think, character needs layers to work. I think as good as Fraser is, he can't like resurrect a yeah. dead character. Like a lot of his movies that we love and adore that he's done so far are well written characters, they're, and they're written for Fraser, and they're written for him. This is a movie that needed a good actor to like yeah. bring to life, and yeah. Fraser's just not up to that part yet. Mm-hmm. So I can't now as we say it that put it in that phrasing I can't necessarily blame him but still it's like I, he, he's drowning in this movie yeah it's not like I applaud him for taking the initiative to try and like do stuff outside of his comfort zone at this point in his career paper I can see this I can see this role being appealing to him to try out. Yeah. Fraser's at the role at the stage now where he wants to take risks. Yeah, he wants to do serious stuff. He wants to do dramas. He wants to do plays. Yeah. And, like, this is this fits into that same, you know... Like, Mrs. Winterborn was, like, his idea. He can take on the role of, like, twins and yeah. play different He's looking to challenge himself. He's like, oh, I can play. You know, it's terrible, and this is just a sign of the times. But, like, in the 90s, like, the idea of, oh, I can play a gay person. Yeah. That's like, oh, that's an interesting challenge yeah. as an actor. It's Which is, you know, rough to think about now. But at the time, that was probably the thought mindset. It's like, yeah. oh, that's an interesting challenge for me. Yeah. And he's just, he's not up to the challenge yet. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, any any post-text? <laughs> this, this movie airs on Showtime. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, I watch, oh, you know, you know what we do have to talk about? What do we start There's about? only one way to watch this movie, Stuart. How do we watch it? <laughs> Folks, have you ever heard of Freebie? I'm not sure they have. <laughs> okay. I hope so, they have. It's it's a video streaming service. Um in our instance it was available through Amazon Prime. Yeah. Called Freebie. It, you can watch a movie for and it free. Will, and it will it's for free, but you have to watch ads at intermittent parts of it. Like a, you're watching on TV. Yeah. Freebie TV. Yeah. Folks, when I tell you Freebie's my new favorite streaming service. <laughs> like, Disney Plus, more like Disney Minus, get it out of here. <laughs> Netflix, no? How about Netflix? Fuck off. <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> Amazon Prime, more like Amazon L- Lame. <laughs> I don't know. 
Get him out of here. All right, freebie, folks. <laughs> so I start watching this movie. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. All right, we're watching it. We're getting through these scenes. Let's see what's going on. Let's see what's going on here. And then, folks. Right, I got to just quickly scroll up because I did write down the shit that I experienced watching this movie. Yeah. Oh, first and foremost thing, it was like a jump scare. Yeah. Just, stop kicking me. Sorry. I was watching <laughs> I was watching this movie. And I was like, all right, I can get with this. And then out of nowhere, there's no like, it doesn't cut to black. There's no indication you're about to get a commercial break. The characters are just walking and it cuts. And you're like, oh, next scene. Nintendo Switch logo comes up. <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> a Pokemon jumps out at the screen. It's like, Pokemon Scarlet! Pokemon Scarlet! <laughs> and I'm like, oh, God! It's like, check out the redraft! <laughs> <laughs> see all these Pokemon right across the screen. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> it turns out it's a commercial for Pokemon Scarlet, Pokemon Violet or something. I don't know. Oh I lost track when they were back when they were still the primary colors. Oh my God. <laughs> all right. I'm like, okay, so that's just what this is going to be like. Yeah. We get to one of the more dramatic scenes of the movie where Suzanne is sitting there. Um, and, you know, she just had a fight with her husband. And she's sitting on the uh, the left side of frame. Yeah. And she's looking to the right. The scene's about to end. It cuts. Immediately. Idris Elba on the right side of the frame looking left. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a match shot of what we just saw with Suzanne. And I was like, and like this music going, Paw! I'm like, oh, can we fucking go? Let's fucking go. I was like, this movie took a turn. I'm here for it. Oh my God. I was like, I was like expecting. So I turn around, Idris Elba's in the room with her. He's like, all right, we're going to blow up the Statue of Liberty, aren't we? Like, oh my God. And that's like Idris Elba on a map. It was the mount between us. Yeah. Like with him and Kate Winslet, like walking across a mountain or something. I don't know. But it looked pretty badass. And I was like, all right, Twilight of the Gold. Let's fucking go. Here we go, guys. What's your mic doing? It's, it's flipping out. Okay. So that happened. I'm like, Freebie is the best streaming service I've ever experienced. I've never felt such delight. Like when that happened, I was like, let's fucking go. It's very interesting that like you can find that pleasure in like something so small. Like yeah. Ads in yeah. a very boring yeah. movie. Yes. N next. I one, wish I could do that. Next one. That Travolta. I got yeah. Travolta ads. It was like a whole hairspray feature ad. 90 seconds of hairspray. I got a. It's like. My welcome to the 60s. Welcome to the 60s. And Travolta's just like dancing on the screen. He's like, it's me, a Christmas I am. You know? And I was like, this thing fucking gets me, man. Freebie gets me. Did you get a Transformers ad? Oh, I ended. The last one I got was Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Which, why? Why these <laughs> older movies? <laughs> I could not fucking tell you. But I got a Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. And I was like, so Shia LaBeouf, it's not my war. I fear it soon will be. Well, like, <laughs> who's paying for these ads? I have to know. Megatron. <laughs> Megatron. To, to advertise for Transformers Revenge of the Fallen, the <laughs> second installment. Folks, when I tell you, I, I truly enjoyed the freebie ads more than I enjoyed this movie. And I've been wanting to talk about this for the past few hours since I watched this movie. <sighs> I was so delighted by Freebie. That's great. This consider me a stand for Freebie. If I ever go on Prime and I like, it's like, do you want to pay two dollars to rent this or do you want to watch it with Freebie? I'm gonna be like, 
We're doing freebie, folks. We're going to find out what's going on. <laughs> the ads are payment enough. <laughs> the ads are a gift. <laughs> You'll pay for the ads. I will pay for the ads. Do you want to watch this with no ads for $2 or freebie for $5? I'll pay the $5 Jeff's or freebie. Just pay the $5. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. Oh, my God. It was so funny. It was so entertaining. Yeah. You never knew what was coming around the corner. No. And you and you, like I said, there's no warning when it's about to happen. No, not at all. So you just never know. Like The ads are not placed the, well. The anticipation I sat through this movie was not about where, what was going to happen between these characters. The anticipation I was having was, all right, what crazy cut to commercial were you about to get? I love that. One of the things that I love is uh, watching a show written and produced for cable yeah. put on streaming services. Yes. That have those like organic commercial breaks yeah. where they just cut to black yeah. and then you come back to the yeah. show. And then the commercial breaks happen in the middle of some other scene. Right. And I'm just like, what the fuck is <laughs> happening? Hulu's like, pretend, like very much like yeah. at the culprit of this one because they do have like cable network shows. Yeah. And if you want, if you only have Hulu with ads, then they don't place the ads in the organic commercial breaks. Yeah. In the, which I guess it's like that would take so much time to do. Yeah. Like, oh my God. As opposed to just randomly populating ads. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue it, but it's still like, come on. I'll tell you, just simply, whoever does, picks the freebie spots, hire that guy. Hire that guy. Because he knows what's going He knows he what knows. to do. He knows. He knows what's going on. Yeah. I just had to talk about Freebie for a little bit. You talked about it for 10 minutes. Yeah, but I do think that's all I have. All that's right. all the post-text that this movie deserves and or gets. Uh, don't watch this movie. Yeah, there's there's no there's no reason. There's no reason to watch this movie. Watch we watch this movie. You guys do not have to. Yeah. I mean, if you already watch it for this podcast, like, thank you. Thank you. Good for you. I hope you enjoyed the Freebie commercials because I yeah. know you watched it on Freebie. A movie that I would say you should watch. Um, you don't have to, but you should. Is Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen? Yes. I was going to say our upcoming next episode, still breathing. Yes, uh, which you'll f- which will release yes. next which Friday. We will have a rambunctious conversation about. <sighs> I okay, we're going to record it after this, yes. so I'm, I'm I'm in for a treat, I suppose. All right, folks. Uh, all right, that's all I got. Sweet. You want to take us yeah. out, Jeff? All right, folks. Well, thank you for listening to this episode on the Twilight Golds. Make sure to tune in next week for our episode on Still Breathing. Um, as always, please remember to rate, review, subscribe, whatever platform you are listening on. As a reminder, we're all available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Pop to our Reddit, r slash Travolting. Find us on Twitter or Instagram at TravoltingPod. TravoltingPodcast at gmail.com if you want to email us any funny shit. Um, find me on Twitter at JeffWSweeney. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Stuart Um And as always, special thanks to Rebecca Johnson for our graphic design and Michael Van Bodegum Smith for the theme music that is now taking you out. Have a great week, folks. Bye. Bye.